Hello. Hello. And welcome to Bite Size Podcast. I'm Tally. I'm Adrian. Um, and we are continuing on in our new series about internet scams and just scams in general and, and how they affect us and how they progress into our modern lives. Scam, scam, scam. Scam, scam, scam. If you haven't listened to the first episode in the series, um, which is about check fraud and Ponzi schemes, pyramid schemes, multi-level marketing, definitely go check that out. It should be up wherever you find your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, The Works, whatever. It's a good Um, one. Yeah, I think it's good. It's really interesting. I think that something is like, it's been a continuing theme in every episode that we've recorded is that, you know, the more we get into stuff, the more it's like, wow, this relates to my everyday life. And like, I want people to know about this because this is fucking crazy. Yeah, Um, for sure. So, yeah. So we just want to bring you guys into the terror that we feel. (laughs) Right, exactly. The abject horror, absolute paranoia. I'm losing my mind. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, I'm having a great time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well... Anything uh, new and exciting happening in life? Uh, you know, just bopping around. The weather's getting nicer, um, so oh, I'm starting God. to feel like... Spring that... half sprung. Yeah, the, I'm starting to feel like antsy, like, oh, I gotta get out and do shit, and then I remember that it's scary outside. <laughs> right. And then you do research for this podcast and realize, <laughs> wow, it is really scary outside. <laughs> it's scary inside, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's scary everywhere. The world's terrifying place. So. Yeah. But I got my first shot of the vaccine, so... Hell yeah, me too. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited to go to a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not order takeout. Um, yeah. I'm really excited to... Um, one thing that I never thought that I would be excited to go back to that, like, now that it's gone and I don't have the option is, like, it really pisses me off and I think that's the only reason why, um, is, like, dance clubs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of, it's like a double-edged sword because on one hand, it's like, I want to be in a room with very, very loud music, dancing up against a bunch of, like, sweaty people that I don't know and drinking, you know, there used to be this thing called dollar drink nights at this place called Opal at one of the casinos in town. And it's like, fuck, man, like, I wish I could go to ladies dollar drink night right now. <laughs> like, that's all I want to do. I don't know what to do with my life. I think it'd be nice to go dancing. Um, and then I realized, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And like, the last thing that I want to do is go <laughs> bump up against like sweaty, weird people that I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. I think about like, I can't believe that I ever did that in my life. Yeah super weird to think about like even watching like um like movies and tv shows from Without before masks? times yeah i'm like oh my god why are they wearing masks They're i do just that loosely like, touching strangers <laughs> i know it's like i i will be watching something that'll be like relatively modern and i'll be like wait a minute what the fuck why isn't anybody wearing a mask this is unbelievable this yeah is fucking crazy ah <laughs> uh. uh, yeah Looking forward to not having to feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. I am very much excited to be outside and also be, like, around people. Like, it's it's exciting to know that I will be able to, like, go out and enjoy activities. And especially, like, if I'm on the East, like, while I'm on the East Coast this summer, it's like, I, I feel like I'm a lot closer to like music stuff 
Right, right. And art stuff. So, like, if we get to a point where over the summer I'm able to, like, maybe go to a music festival, that, that'd be hella chill. <laughs> maybe touch a new strange peen. Yes. <laughs> or, or not, also, because I don't know how to talk to people anymore. At this point, I'm just, like, just straightforward and honest about every part of my life, hoping it's like, okay, this is either going to scare you away, or if it doesn't, I'm kind of scared of you, because it should. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is communicating? Right. What is, what is life? I'm tired of life. You know, you know what you do to communicate, though? You use the phone. Oh, shit. Excellent tie-in. That was a segue. That was a segue and a half. <laughs> yeah, we are listeners. We are talking about phones today. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even plan that. No, it just it happened organically. I just re- I rolled with it, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm going to tell you about this old fucking thing called a payphone. <laughs> yeah, old as shit. I actually saw the skeleton of one, like, out in the middle of nowhere near Sonora oh, shit. recently. Because really? I, I drove down south. in a while. <laughs> Not like a human skeleton. Like no, the, I know what you The mean, skeleton yeah. of a payphone, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen one in a while. Yeah. I kind of, I shed a, one single tear. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy to think, like, there used to literally be banks of them. Yeah. Everywhere. I used to All play the on them. Yeah. Because the phone cord was cool, because it was like that weird metal thing. Yeah, and it made the fun noise when you rubbed the two ends together. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. They're dead. They are. Uh, yeah, so we're going to be talking about phone, phone scams, and uh, I do want to point out that there are a shit ton of different types of phone frauds. Yeah. Um, there's so many, um, and we're only going to be talking about a small handful. So Obviously. if you, yeah, if you have a favorite phone fraud that we don't cover, shoot us a little email and maybe we'll do a special episode or something. Cause Absolutely. there's just, there's just too fucking much, but it's, or have you gotten like a phone fraud? Like, have you gotten a phone fraud call that you want to talk about? Uh, because definitely send us that information. Um, if you go to our website, bitesizepodcast.com, there's a little mail icon on the bottom. It also has all of our social media, so if that's a better way for you to communicate, you know, because <laughs> yeah. we're talking about communication, uh, definitely yeah. hit us up and we will talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, because this shit, it happens to everybody. Yeah, literally uh, everyone. Yeah, and I just want to stress that before I get into it, because I know I can be like, fucking idiots, but what I'm saying is we're all fucking idiots, because we've all been been targeted by this shit. Um, None of us are safe. No. (laughs) So, with that being said, um, talking about payphone fraud, I used uh, Wiki, Avi, Um, I used the site called ibtimes.com, I used another site called payphoneproject.com. Ooh. Yeah, right? Fun. Relevant. And then I <laughs> used sfgate.com. So, in the U.S., owners of customer-owned coin-operated telephones, or COCOTs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I don't know if I like that term. <laughs> it's super weird, but... That's where we're at. So, 
I didn't realize that like people could just fucking buy a coin operated payphone and just do it. Um, but turns out that's what a lot of people did. Like back in the mm-hmm. day in the 90s and shit, people were like, you know what? I'm going to go into the payphone business. And then they would just buy payphones and put them up places. Right. Just like, like a fucking... home phone. And then it was paid for by the people that were using yeah. it. It just fucking blows my mind. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so people that own these cocots are um, paid 60 cents for every call their users make to a toll free telephone number. So hmm. the charges are billed to the called number. Okay. So it's right. a toll free thing. They get charged. Right. So a fraudulent payphone provider could potentially auto-dial the 1-800, like, wrong numbers and get paid for these as calls received from a payphone with charges reversed. So this Hmm. was a very popular and kind of confusing fraud from back in the day. Nice. (laughs) So, yeah, they were just, like, dial 1-800, fucking punch in some numbers, and then, you know, they would get charged for it immediately, because that's how it works, and then they could get all of those reversed. So, people were just, like, fucking doing this all the time. Jesus Christ. Uh, Yeah. Just, like, straight out the gate, hard fraud. (laughs) That's wild. Yeah. Um, So, freaking, spelled with a P-H... Um, this is a slang term that's coined to describe the activity activity of like a certain culture of people who study and experiment with or like explore like telecommunication systems. Um, like all kinds of equipment and systems are included in this, including public telephone networks. So the term freak with the PH um, is a sensational spelling of the word freak in phone, which is fun. Um, uh-huh. And it may also use be used... Um, for the various audio frequencies to manipulate phone systems. So like freak, freaker, phone freaker, these were all talking about the same thing. People who participate in freaking. <laughs> I feel so silly saying it. all this stuff. <laughs> I love it. That's incredible. The nineties are such a wild place. <laughs> I fucking love it, dude. They're all just wearing bucket hats and freaking. <laughs> and fucking rollerblading everywhere. Fucking freaking. Fruit. Fruit booting. Yeah. Well. Um, okay. So let me see. The term first referred, referred to groups who had reverse engineered the system of tones used in um, like route long distance calls. So, you know, how like when you're, it's probably so weird now because phones don't make noises, but you know, back when you used to actually push buttons to dial things. Um, there were specific tones that the phone made and, you know, each number or symbol had its own tone. Absolutely. I used to, uh, do that to, I memorized, I, I know what my mom's phone number sounds like because of the the tone that it used to make on the phone. Yep. There, one of my cousins, um, from years and years and years ago, they had this fucking cool phone number. Um, it was three five seven four seven five three and it's just like the fun diagonal it was just the coolest mm-hmm. phone number and i'll never forget it because it's cool but i could still hear it and I, even when i say it right. i do it in the sound of the tone <laughs> yeah my mom's uh, like da, 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 da. that's like my mom's <laughs> phone number 
I hope that I didn't just fucking dox my mom. <laughs> you did. Yeah, I'll edit out both of those, but just, yeah. Just, uh, yeah. It's fun, though. I like it. Yeah. So anyways, by recreating these tones, um, the freaks could switch calls from the phone handset so they could allow free calls to be made around the world. So to ease of the creation of these tones, electronic tone generators known as blue boxes became a staple of the freaker community. And this community included future Apple Inc. co-founders Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Yeah, the Woz. <laughs> so the they are the Woz. The freaks. Yeah. Freakers. They're a bunch of freaks. <laughs> uh, so yeah. It's fucking weird. Uh, right. So the blue box era came to an end with the ever-increasing use of computerized phone systems. No surprise there. Um, so this sends the dialing information on a separate, inaccessible channel. So it's things are safer now than they used to be. But I had no idea that the phone channels were just, like, fucking the Wild West, dude. Like, if you mm-hmm. knew how to get into that shit, you could do whatever you wanted, apparently. Yeah. It's so weird. So by the 80s, much of the system in the U.S. and Western Europe had um, been converted. Um, but there, you know, you could still utilize these blue boxes and do all this weird shit, especially with, like, payphones and stuff. Right. Um, and just for like a fun little added tidbit, the, the freaking community is, and has since been closely linked to computer hacking. So like a lot the of freaking the community, were... <laughs> yeah, the they freaking have... community, <laughs> <laughs> they, they probably started off as phone freakers and other computer freakers. Yeah. I'm going to freak your computer. That sounds bad. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Something, something cyber, something sex. Right. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. 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 Anyways. So, um, recent noticeable instances of freaking, which I'm surprised still happens. Um, but they involve the PBX, which is the private branch exchange. Um, so like when you're calling, it uses this little exchange to get you to the places you need to go. Um, Your voice, not your person. Um, Right. (laughs) So they hack this thing called uh, the VOIP, which is Voice of Internet Protocol. Mm -hmm. So they hack these into these systems. Um, So one instance is in 2011, the government of the Philippines and the FBI arrested four hackers for phone freaking through the PBX hacking. And in 2015, the Pakistani officials arrested a prominent freaker who had amassed more than $50 million from the PBX hacking activities. Holy shit. Yeah, and now I'm going to tell you about it because it's all super confusing and I have no idea what any of that means until I started looking into these cases. Right. (laughs) Um, So, Noor Aziz Udin, a man uh, the FBI calls one of the most wanted cyber criminals, was caught in February of 2015. He had an accomplice, and they would hack into phone lines of U.S. companies, because uh, they're in Pakistan. Uh, so right. they'd hack into the phone lines of the U.S. companies, hijack their phone numbers, and would begin auto-dialing like crazy. Like, they would just, you know, had the program, so that it would just start calling phone numbers. Right. Um, they'd use the numbers to call premium rate lines, 
which would typically charge the customer anywhere from 50 cents to $3 per minute. Right. The catch was that these dudes owned the lines that the phones were calling. Right. So this so, company was calling it and was being charged and they were, but they were being charged to them. So they were collecting that money. Yeah. So they were hijacking other people's phones making their phones call their own companies and getting all that money that the people were being charged. Holy shit. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? That's the best way to do it, honestly. (laughs) And I did, when I was doing research for robocalling, I did get into a little bit of that as well. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, payphone users can also scam using their own machines. Um, so this guy, Nicholas, Cantarzis um, <laughs> pleaded guilty in 2012 to using more than 100 payphones to make phantom calls. So because the calls are free to legitimate users, the party getting the call pays costs that include a cut to the payphone operator. So Nicholas, who was 63 at the time, uh, was paid each time his phones rang the numbers, even though right. most calls only lasted a few seconds. Right. So just, like, running around, dialing shit. Right. Just, like, that's how he was spending his afternoons. (laughs) So another fun thing I learned, uh, payphones also played a big part in stealing credit card and calling card numbers in the 90s. Hmm. So uh, thieves, scammers, if you will, (laughs) they would use this technique called... um, shoulder surfing to record the credit card numbers. Um, so like we mentioned earlier, there's banks of telephones everywhere. Um, right. So these people would camp out around these phone banks, like say at an airport where it's not weird if someone's standing for a long time. Right. Um, and then they would watch these, the victims punching their credit card numbers or phone their, um, phone card numbers into the payphones. Right. And they, so they would, you know, record, record the tones even sometimes like they would hear the fucking tones and have a little recorder. Right. So nuts. Um, one scam that would come from this was a popular one in the nineties in Southern California. So there would be a person that would steal someone's card number And then this person would create, like, this, like, kind of long-distance payphone service. Because, again, anyone could just set up a payphone service. Um, So a lot of times there were people that would just um, get all the numbers and then they would sell the credit card numbers or the phone card numbers to other people for hundreds of dollars sometimes. Right. And then these people would set up, the other people would set up the long-distance phone service and they would target specifically, um, like, recent immigrants to America. These people wanted to call home. Right. So then the people would come to the scammer. They would pay them, like, between 10 and $20 to use their phone to call this other country because it's long-distance rates. Right. But the charge would be going to the victim's credit card. Right. So this dude is, like, profiting hard. <laughs> And it would, like, quickly wrap up, like, thousands of dollars of, in fees on the stolen credit card because they're calling long distance and talking to yeah. family for, like, 
who knows how long. Right. And back in the day, those rates were fucking insane to call foreign countries. Yeah. It's not like today where you can just do it. (laughs) No. You had to, like, plan it out and budget. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then computer hackers used to hack into the calling card system, like, because I'm sure they probably still have them. I used to have a calling card um, because my dad lived in another state and it was long distance to call to another fucking state, too. Um, So, you know, my mom would buy me a calling card every month or whatever, and that would be what I could use to call home um, because all of our relatives were in that state, too, so... It worked out. Um, But people used to hack into that calling card system and then they would steal like thousands and thousands of those calling card numbers and then sell them for large amounts of monies on the street. And then these phone companies um, would be just fucked out of these calling card numbers because before they could even sell them, the numbers were used and gone. Right. Because it's pre-generated, I'm sure. That's so wild. Yeah. It's crazy to think about that. Right. So the phone companies were obviously, like, fucking pissed about this. So they started moving away from their old switchboard style um, because they needed to keep a track on, like, weird shit, like phantom phone calls and stuff from pay phones. Um, So now there's, like, people that track down unusual calling patterns and put an end to things like that, which is great. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah, that's, um, that's some pay phone stuff. It's so abstract now because... It's just hard to think about because there's not really a whole lot of context for it now. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember paying, I remember tone phones, um, obviously, and that's something that people have strayed away from because, you know, you can use those tones to steal a variety of information, um, as you just said. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I remember like using pay phones or having to use pay phones and like being in that situation. In fact, sometimes I'm like, you know, your fucking phone dies and you need to call someone and like things need to happen. And like people nowadays, I mean, the fucking world's a crazy place. Nobody wants to fucking let you use your cell phone. Like no, a hell lot of no. times people will just fucking like run off with them. Yeah. Um, so. And we have so much information on our phones right now. It's right. Not- everything. It's not crazy or rude to deny a complete stranger from using your phone. Right. My entire banking information is fucking set up on my shit. Like, no, you can't fucking use my phone unless I know you. Yeah. And and even then. (laughs) And, yeah. Uh, Right. You can use my charger. (laughs) Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to to find a charger for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fucking crazy shit. So... Now I'm going to talk to you about spoofing, which is super relevant now because mm-hmm. we're all getting spoofed. Everybody's spoofed. All, every fucking day. Constant spoofing. Mm-hmm. Also, I like saying spoofing. Mm-hmm. Um, I got all of this stuff from Wikipedia and also Infoworld.com. Okay, so caller ID spoofing. Um, this is the practice of using the telephone network to indicate to the receiver of the call, the person who's getting it, that the originator, the person dialing, um, like, is from a different place. Right. So, like, the true origin of the call is unknown and it looks like something else. Right. Um, this can lead to, like, a caller ID display showing a phone number from, you know, something different than what it really is. Right. It could look like your grandma's calling 
and it's actually or a business, a legitimate yeah, business, and it's actually like Satan or something, right. some guy trying to steal all of your shit. Yeah, hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, caller ID spoofing has been available for years to people with like a specialized digital connection to the telephone company, and this right. is called an ISDN PRI circuit. Right. So collection agencies, law enforcement officials, private investigators, they have all used this practice and they've been doing it for years with varying degrees of legality. Right. So it's not new. Right. Um, the first mainstream caller ID spoofing service, like a whole ass service just for spoofing, was launched USA-wide September 1st of 2004. <laughs> 2004. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was by this uh, California-based uh, website called star38.com. You remember star38? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I fucking star love... star 69. Yeah, fucking love I'm calling you shit. back. Yeah. Block my shit, please. <laughs> uh, so this was founded by Jason Jepson, and it was the first service to allow spoof calls to be placed from a web interface. Right. Uh, so voice over IP. Um, in the past, caller ID spoofing required an advanced knowledge of telephone equipment. Um, and it could be really fucking expensive. Like, even now, I read about this shit and I still don't understand the words I'm saying. <laughs> right. It's it's a it's a very complicated... I feel like spoofing and the robocalling tied in a lot. Like, any time that I was trying to, like, find, like, specific information about the robocalling, like, it goes hand in hand with the spoofing. So, like, yeah, I got to sure. see a lot of it. And a lot of it is, like, wait, what? They do what? Yeah. It's why? So, it's so weird and it's so what? roundabout. <laughs> and it's just, like... And I think that's part of why it's effective is because... Right. It's fucking confusing. <laughs> right. Uh, so, with open software... Um, one can spoof calls with minimal cost and effort, which is how I'm sure a lot of people are doing it because you can just pop on the internet and boom, we're spoofing. Right, spoof. We're Get spoofing. Spoofed. We're spoofing Get hard. Spoofed. <laughs> <laughs> so some uh, VOIPs providers, they allow the user to configure their displayed number as part of the configuration page on the provider's website. Um, no additional software is required. So if the caller's name is sent with the call, um, like instead of being generated from the number um, of the database or whatever, it can be configured as part of the settings on a client-owned adapter or special telephone. Mm -hmm. So the level of flexibility is provider-dependent. So hmm. a provider, which allows users to bring their own device and like unbundle service so that direct inward dial numbers can be purchased separately from outbound calling minutes, that's more flexible. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so essentially what it is is like you can have, you can get rid of your cell phone and just use the internet and you can pay to have a specific phone number and you can pay separately for like a s specific number of outbound calling minutes. Instead of paying, like, a phone company a flat rate a month. Right. Similar, probably, to, like, when cell phones first came around and they're like, you have 150 minutes and you can send 
10 text messages. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So a carrier which doesn't follow established hardware standards, such as Skype, or locks subscribers out of configuration settings on hardware which the subscriber owns outright, such as Vonage, is more restrictive. Providers which market wholesale voice over IP are typically intended to allow any displayed number to be sent as resellers will want their end users' numbers to appear. So basically, there are some people out there that are aware that people do shitty things and they try to rein it in. Huh. Yeah, so Skype, obviously, is um, an example of this. Also, Google Google Numbers or whatever it is, that's another one that I've also personally used. Um I'm sure Zoom would probably fall in there somehow. Right. Because um, when you think about it, like, especially with Skype, you do get a phone number that calls your Skype account. Right, exactly. Yeah, so it's all It's just familiar. a VOIP phone number. It's yeah. not, like, designated by, a, like, a telecommunication company. Well, right. it is, but it's Skype, not, right. like, Verizon it's, or yeah, exactly. whatever. So it's all stuff that's familiar, but it's so fucking weird to like say it that way and it's like yeah i guess that's what you're doing huh <laughs> right <laughs> so service providers um there's a bunch of different ones i learned um so some spoofing service services work similarly to like a prepaid calling card so customers can pay in advance for a personal personal identification number uh, a pin if you will mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So customers dial the number given to them by the company, their PIN, the destination number, and the number they wish to appear as the caller ID. So then this call is bridged and is like transferred around and arrives with the spoof number chosen by the caller. Right. Thus tricking the called party. Right. Um, there's also many providers, um, you know, the web-based interface, so hot right now, um, and they're also turning them into mobile applications so they can create an account and have it, like, on their phone. Um, so, essentially, wow. you can have two different phone numbers on your phone. Right. I mean, even, like, Google Voice, like, is just a VOIP-generated phone number that you're using because you don't want to use your own phone number. Exactly. Yeah. I only use it web-based, but it probably does have a mobile app. It does, yeah. So, yeah. That possible. That's a possible thing that people can do to spoof around on their spoofing the homies. On <laughs> their spoofing the homies. Oh my god. <laughs> you want to get together later and spoof the homies? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so so um, This is like fun fun story. So Paris Hilton was accused of spoofing when she was feuding with Lindsay Lohan back in 2006. Ooh. Right? So, if you remember... the hacker. (laughs) Yeah, if you remember fondly 2006, if you will, um, Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton were, like, feuding hard. They did not like each other, even though the one time they did like each other. Yeah. um, And then they were fighting. Yeah. And... So it says it took a turn for the geeky with a small fake caller ID seller accusing Paris Hilton of hacking into voicemail accounts on an unnamed mobile phone network. <laughs> so uh, Hilton oh was my God. 
right? I know. So she was like um, on this list of more than 50 customers whose accounts were suspended um, from this specific service because they had been using spoofcard.com. <laughs> Amazing. Incredible. <laughs> Which, if you can That's believe so it. That's so hot. Yeah. If you can believe it, it was the caller ID spoofing service um, to hack into voicemail accounts. I never would have guessed in a million years. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this company started by Mark Del Bianco. Um, would help you spoof around so you could hack into your friends' voicemails. Or enemies, turns out. Right. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many of the accounts that were hacked via the spoofing surface belong to well-known celebrities, including Lohan. Um, spoofcard.com has not actually accused Hilton of hacking into Lohan's voicemail, but celebrity gossip sheets already abuzz with the rivalry between the two divas have jumped on the story. This is obviously dated, and I just copy and pasted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, her name, somehow, she was either using the service or maybe she herself was spoofed. <laughs> right. And showed up on this um, list of accounts that got fucking Associated. flagged. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, fucking crazy. Um, here are some other crazy things that happened because of spoofing. In 2009, Keisha Jones utilized spoofing to carry out a plot to try to get her husband's mistress to take a medicine to abort her baby. Wow. So, yeah, just letting that sink in. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, so Jones allegedly got her hands on a blank prescription pad, um, from a doctor's office who denied any knowledge of the crime. Um, right. And then she forged an order uh, for the certain medication that would, you know, abort babies. Right. I, um, and dropped it off at a pharmacy. And then she called the mistress posing as a staffer from the woman's like doctor's office and mm -hmm. used a spoof phone service to mask her real number. So it looked like it was coming from the doctors. And, right. you know, she said she was probably a nurse of so-and-so and told her like, there's a prescription that you need to take. That's, um, it's, it's, she said it was to help your child against down syndrome. Oh my so, God. So like incited this in her, like, Oh shit, if I don't take this, my kid's going to have down syndrome. So then she right. went, she actually picked it up and she took it and went into labor. Um, totally fuck some shit up but the baby turned out totally fine and so did, so did she so jesus that's so fucking wild yeah fucking insane so to cut to today everyone has gotten a spoof phone call um everyone has had their phone number spoofed <laughs> every single person like, I can it, guarantee it. it fucking happens. Like, we're constantly getting phone calls, which I'm sure you're going to tell us about when you talk about robocalls. And yeah. chances are it's not really a person from Connecticut. It's some asshole in, like, somewhere else. Um, so even though we have all of these problems with spoofing and everybody fucking hates it, it's still not really illegal. No. So, because there um, are good uses for it, right? Like entrapment. <laughs> well, I mean, um, so like for example, say you are a business, you're a plumbing business, and you 
have multiple phone lines like in your office but like you don't want anybody to like have your direct office line if they need to call you you want them to call like the 800 number like you have the it's the same technology used in spoofing to disguise your number like your office number so that they just get the 800 number right so like it's a it's a measure that's used for protection and it's just been thoroughly fucking abused Sure, and they just haven't done anything to draw clear boundaries. Right. Because, you know, there's, like... I understand, like, a private citizen wanting to block their number, because you can choose to block your number. Right. Um, It's weird to let them choose a fucking number (laughs) when so much damage has been done. Right. And that's actually something that's been talked about is... um, because with the call spoofing and like the robocalling, um, there has been suggested a technology that essentially encrypts every phone number that's actually registered with a telecommunications company. That way, when you're getting a call, you know that it's coming from a real person because it has to be registered with the FTC, um, which is the Federal Trade Commission. Um, However, that technology is, like, not anywhere near <laughs> right. where we are. <laughs> and in the U.S., they d- in 2009, they did create the Truth and Caller ID Act. Um, yes. So it does help to make exceptions for, like, certain law enforcement purposes. Um, callers are still allowed to preserve their anonymity by choosing to block all outgoing caller ID information on their phone lines. Right. So, like, they know it's become a terrible problem um but i don't think they're doing anything about it granted there are more pressing matters to attend to absolutely um yeah but i mean i guess i have seen like they at least um i have verizon and i have had times where um you know, like, a, I'll get a phone call and it'll say, like, potential scam. Potential spam. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I said scam. It's a spam. <laughs> a spam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because you can... Um, one of the things, listeners, that you can help and do is when a mysterious phone number calls you, um, you can Google it and it'll pop up on the website. I don't remember what it is, but you can, like make a little note you don't have to log in or create an account or anything you just note that it was a telemarketer or a scam or whatever um, right because i do that shit all the time i don't want to answer my phone um but i want to know who's calling me right exactly you can you can and that's actually one of the biggest tips that i've gotten from all of the research that i've done because obviously when people make media about this or talk about this like one of the first things that they do is like recommend what to do and that's like a huge tip is like if you feel you know not confident about a number that's calling you like definitely like take a minute and look it up or call it back yeah but don't answer it's call to you yeah exactly yeah, I have a fun little anecdote. Um, a couple years ago, when my phone number was being used as a spoof, um, I got I was annoyed because I kept getting phone calls, you know, and I kept getting voicemails that would say like I just got a call from this number, and I would check like my outgoing 
calls, you know, and I'm like, I didn't fucking call anyone in right. seven months. I don't know what's happening. Right. Um, and this, I finally was able to answer one, and it was this older dude. I picture him as a Sam Elliott character. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> That's just the vibe I got. Um, and he he was like, hi, I just got a call from this number. And I was like, I, I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't dial anything. She's like, that's what I was, uh, that's what I was thinking. I've been getting a lot of these calls and I think they're just from <laughs> all over the place. And we had this like four minute conversation just by like, what is happening in the world today? All the phone numbers are everyone's <laughs> phone numbers. It's <laughs> adorable. That's happened yeah. to me too. When I've called back a number, they're like, uh, no, I didn't just call you. And then I was like, oh, you're definitely a scam. You're a fucking scammy scammer. Yeah. Or they could be a victim. Right, and mostly they are, actually, that I have yeah. found out now. Yeah. But yeah, at the time, you just think this fucking asshole is the one that's being shitty. Yeah, but no, it's just everyone's a fucking victim. Yeah. It's just victims calling victims. It's true. So, all of us victims together in an auto dialer. <laughs> We're all in a group um, chat. <laughs> right. Um, so some history. Uh, obviously, um, an auto dialer, as I just said, or an automatic dialer. Uh, first off, I, I better mention. Um, so I have a couple different sources for this. Obviously, I have the Wikipedia page. Um, I also have a couple um, little tidbits from the FTC or the Federal Trade Commission um, specifically. Um, also some information from gtlaw.com which is Greenberg Trorig which is a law office um, that talks about uh, the Telephone Consumer Protection Act or the TCPA Um, I also got information from NPR's uh, Planet Money podcast Robocall Invasion is the episode Um, I also got some information from Reply All's episode 135, Robocall Bang Bang, Um, also episodes 102 and 103, which are long distance part one and two. Um, And I also got some information from the NC State University podcast on Robocalls by Tracy Peak. Dang, you just got so many. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely like it's nice because when I'm at work, I can like listen to like podcasts and be like, oh, this is interesting. Like meta, you know, pull up some more information on that. Hell yeah. Um, So obviously we talked about spoofing and disguising your phone number. Uh, but an auto dialer or an automatic dialer is an electronic device or software that automatically dials telephone numbers. Simple as. Uh, once the call has been answered, the auto dialer either plays a recorded message or connects the call to a live person. Um, in most cases with outbound call centers, there is an auto dialer connecting customers to a telemarketing agent. Um, so it was obviously um, a it's a telemarketing, you know, productivity tool is is what it started out as so it's like Uh, when you call like the safeway number and it's like who do you want to talk to and then you push like a button and it sends you to the pharmacy or something it's more like uh for outbound callers when you come into work i don't know if you've ever worked in customer service but when you come into work the dialer is what is holding all of the telephone numbers so it's kind of like a big gumball machine with all the telephone numbers in it and you're standing in a line with all of your other coworkers in line for the gumball machine and after you're done with your gum and you throw it away you spin the thing and then you get a telephone number that's already in the dialer okay 
<laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> Um, So the first semi-automatic dialer was offered on the commercial market in 1942. It was manually operated and came in two models, the first that stored 12 numbers and a second that could store up to 52 numbers. Fancy. Yeah. Um, So robocalls are essentially a... Everybody knows what a robocall is. It's where you pick up the phone and you say something, and then all of a sudden um, you get this automated voice that's saying, this is what's wrong. Call this number. Press. We've been trying to reach you about your car's right, extended about warranty. about your car's extended warranty. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it plays an automatic message. Um, here's the problem with... A, spoofing, and B, robocalls. At this point, if you are not in my contacts list or you do not leave a fully detailed message with your name and a direct number to reach you, I will not answer my phone. Nope. Because the only calls that I get are spam. The only calls that I get. In fact, um, the FCC's official podcast, which is more than seven dirty words, said that according to new data from First Orion, which is a call protection company, 50% of all calls will be spam. And this was by the end of 2019. Shit. It's probably worse now. Yeah. I can only imagine what that looks like now. Um, So the FTC... Um, specifies that if you hear or if you answer the phone and you hear a recorded message instead of a live person it's a robocall. If you're getting a lot of these robocalls trying to sell you something odds are the calls are probably illegal. Many are also probably scams. Um, Are robocalls legal? This is the big question and this is from the FTC.gov website which is consumer.ftc.com if you want to know some more information. Um, if you answer the phone and hear a recorded message instead of a live person, it's a robocall. If you're getting it, like I said, odds probably illegal. Uh, a robocall trying to sell you something is illegal unless it is a company that has your written permission to call you that way as a robocall, not as a live person, <laughs> but as a robocall. Cause we okay. still have outbound telemarketers, but so they have to distinguish that. Exactly. To get your permission, the company has to be clear it's asking to call you with robocalls and you can't make and it can't make you agree to the calls to get a product or service. If you give permission, you have the right to change your mind later. A few types of robocalls are allowed under FTC rules without your permission, like political calls about candidates running for office or charities asking for donation, um, etc. Like emergency calls for evacuation, things like that. Obviously, those aren't going to be illegal. Um, why do I get so many robocalls? It's cheap and easy for scammers and telemarketers to make robocalls over the internet from all over the world. And we know that, obviously, because <laughs> you can find apps for free where you can do it. Yeah. Um, on and they're small doing scales. it all the time. Absolutely. Um, how can I know if a robocall is a scam? If somebody is already breaking the law by robocalling you without your permission, there's a good chance that it's a scam. (laughs) At the very least, it's a company you don't want to do business with. Don't rely on your caller ID, which is so fucking stupid. I hate that I... What? (laughs) That's the whole reason for it. But anyways, scammers can fake the name and number that shows up, making it look like a call is from a government agency like the Social Security Administration or a local number. That is called spoofing. Obviously, we've gone into it. And there's a lot of people that had problems with the IRS calling them, and they're spoofing the number and then giving out their social security information, oh. which is why the IRS had to they put out an official statement. You. 
saying, we will never call you. All of our communication will either be a message left for you um, to call us back or mail, and that's it. And they will um, never ask you for your social security number. Never, ever, ever, ever. Nope. Never. No, no, uh, not for no your full social security. No information over the phone. Don't do it. Yeah. And, and don't even give it to, to calls that, you know, you think that can be trusted because there could be someone listening, which is yeah. fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so what kind Life of robocalls... <laughs> right. <laughs> so what kind of robocalls are allowed without my permission? Messages that are purely informational, debt collection calls, political calls, calls from healthcare providers, and messages from chari- charities. Um... Here's some tips. If you do get an illegal robocall, hang up. Don't press any numbers. The recording might say pressing a number will let you speak to a live operator or move you from their call list, but it will lead to more robocalls instead. In fact, sometimes it will lead you to actually talking to a person who will then try and scam you um, and then like take your information that way or get your money that way. So for example, in that Reply All episode, um, Long Distance, which is episodes 102 and 103, uh, Alex got a call from a scammer, ended up pressing the button, ended up talking to an agent within, which then got, he gave remote access to his computer, which oh, I wouldn't no. recommend, but he's a journalist. So, you know, it's all, you know, you, you take the, buy the ticket, take the ride or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he ended up talking to a person who got remote access to his computer, tried to pull up the like command prompt or something and then like misspelled the word Trojan and tried to sell him $300 worth of antivirus software. And it ended up being a company in, um, Delhi, India that was trying, that was using spoofing and robocalling to get people to believe that their Apple IDs had been compromised and that he needed to call him because like, Oh, you, you know, your ID has been compromised. And that means that like, if you have an iPhone or if you have Apple products, that means that everything that you're connected to is possibly, you know, jeopardized. Um, and the episode's super interesting. If you want to learn more about it, definitely listen to it because it is a super interesting two episodes. Um, but essentially like it got to the point with the FTC when the uh, Telephone Consumer Protection Act was passed that these robocallers would have call centers of people that would sit in an office, wait until somebody picked up the call, and then that's what the gap, that's what the wait is. Like, wait until you say hello on the phone, and then the robo message plays. Is they were having people sit and wait and then press play on a robo message. Oh, fuck. So that they could get around FTC guidelines. That sounds like the worst job. <laughs> Literally, that sounds terrible. But also, like, you know, in places like India where it's like, you know, jobs like that in the city are better than, you know, living in parts of the country, you know, it's appealing to people that will do that, you know? Yeah. Um, so what is the TCPA? Uh, the Telephone Consumer Protection Act places limits on unsolicited pre-recording telemarketing calls that are made to your landline home telephone. It also prohibits all auto-dialed or pre-recorded calls or text messages to your cell phone. Um, so there's this wonderful little, uh, photo guide that we'll put up on the Instagram, um, which is a flowchart, which kind of like does some explaining. So 
what type of communication, um, if it's to any landline, using an artificial or, or pre-recorded voice, if it's advertising or telemarketing, and you've not given written consent, this is probably a TCPA violation. If this is an artificial voice or pre-recorded voice, non-commercial, or commercial purpose with no advertising or telemarketing, probably not a TCPA violation. If it is to any residential line by a person, period, unlikely TCPA violation, which is why these companies have that backup saying, you know, uh, we have our employees sitting here. Yes, they're playing a pre-recorded message, but the phone call came from a person. Right. Which is fucking bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, If the communication is to any telephone number assigned to a wireless line, if they are using an artificial pre-recorded message for advertising or telemarketing or for information without advertising that relates indirectly to um, accounts, transactions, or purposes for which the called party knowingly provided the number, um, if consent was given, it's unlikely a violation. If written consent was not given, it is probably a violation. Um, And then by any facsimile machine including e-fax, which is, that's what, fa- that's what fax machine means. Did you know that? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Holy shit. Facsimile, because it's like, it's, it's a facsimile of the written recording that you're sending through via, well, I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's cute. Adorable. I didn't know that until literally just now. <laughs> um, so if it's uh, any unsolicited advertising, um, prior invitation or permission was not given, it is no established business relationship, then it's probably a violation. Um, if it is through an established business relationship, it's probably not a violation. Um, or if it's just informational, it's probably not a violation. So these are kind of like where we have the outlines based on the TCPA. And of course, you know, scammers are going to try and push the boundaries of that. And scammers you know, it doesn't scam. really matter. The scam, 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 scam. Um, but also, the problem with this, like I was saying, is like a lot of companies that do this shit aren't even in this country. So even if the fucking FTC or the FBI wanted to investigate them or wanted to find them for the violations that they have, um, it doesn't really matter because <laughs> they can't do anything or even if they do like you know do a cease and desist whatever like you know the company shuts down and like a hydra two more heads snap up in its place because these people are making hundreds of dollars like um in the long distance episode of the reply all podcast uh, when he was interviewing this man who he was trying to scam him but he ended up like telling him like hey i know you're scamming me i just want some information like why are you doing this what like what are you gaining from this and they're like well I'm making, you know, six or seven sales a day and I'm selling $300 worth of antivirus software. That's a lot of money in a day, you know, and all of these people are working in a call center and like the collective business was like somewhere, it's like in the millions uh, per year, you know? Right. Because people will fall for it. Yep. Um, so a big thing, um, to all of our listeners that you should do immediately right now is go to do not call.gov and put your number. You have to be registered for at least 30 days before you can start reporting numbers. And like I said, it's like, it's not a complete science because you know, a lot of these companies, like I said, are coming from outside the U S and they're using companies that are, you know, helping process charges in that country for them so that it's not, you know, 
so that they're able to collect money in certain countries and then well, it's and they're like back finding all the loopholes and yeah exploiting exactly. everything that they can exactly anything that they can so it's not a perfect science but it definitely helps to cut down on not only the calls that you receive but also the calls that everyone receives um, by registering at do not call.gov you have to be registered for 30 days before you can report a phone number after that if you receive a phone call from a phone number and it you know fits into those tcpa guidelines you can report it and you can even earn some money from it if they're able to you know find them and collect on it dope yeah so it's it's pretty dope um the ftc continues to bring enforcement actions against robocallers and has already stopped people responsible for billions of robocalls um you can read that in their press releases um unfortunately like i said not a perfect science but we're doing what we can um and technology is advancing you know faster than we're able to you know track people down sometimes um and also just as we've seen from the very beginning it doesn't really matter what you do you know people are going to continue to exploit the system in whatever way they can. Like these scams, even though the technology has changed and, and you know, made it uh, a new game, it's still the same game that they've been playing for years. Um, so I don't know that we would necessarily even see a stop to it. Completely. Aww. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it, it's insane. And Yeah, I mean, um, not wrong. Yeah, from uh, listening to the Reply All podcast, um, or no, this was uh, for, maybe, no, it was the Reply All um, podcast, and this one was uh, episode 135, Robocall Bang Bang, Um, they investigated the applications on a phone, it was like, um, because this person had, one of the hosts had the um problem of he would go somewhere he would travel somewhere and then all of a sudden instead of coming from like you know neighbor spoofing which uses a a phone number that's very similar it would use um phone numbers from now the area that he's been traveling to um and when they looked into it there's like a host of apps on your phone that use your location services and you allow them to use your location services and what they do is they broadcast things like your phone number and your location and then they sell that information so that people can constantly be pinging in real time what your location is based on your cell phone great so you know people are (laughs) freaking out about you know oh the government's tracking me like don't fucking think about that what you need to think about is the fact that you you know there's companies out there that are selling and buying your information um for stupid shit and on the black market and trying to use it to like scam the shit out of you and steal your money um everyone i feel like needs to be a lot more safe about what they're doing on the internet like even more so now than ever before yeah for because of how much access to the internet we have just in the tiny computers in our pockets yeah and yeah like we agree to things when we install apps that um don't make sense (laughs) no to any normal person they're all in legal jargon yeah terms and conditions is fucking stupid yeah i don't want to read that (laughs) i'm not a lawyer i don't have that time no, life is very short. I don't need to read the terms and yeah, conditions. I have to go dissociate on my couch. I can't just be <laughs> reading things. <laughs> yeah. It's 
So there you go. That's why you've been receiving Ugh. all of those crazy fucking calls all the time. Yeah. You're not alone. No. It's happened to probably everyone. And don't answer your phone unless the person's in your contacts or leaves you a very detailed message about how to reach them. Yeah. And even then, if you call them back, don't give them your fucking social security number yeah. over the phone or any of your information. No your birthday, your full name, you know, none of that shit. None and of if it. it's a reliable place, most of the time you'll already have a calling password for when you fucking call in. Yeah. It's not associated to any of your identification. Channel your inner Ron Swanson. True. Be skeptical. Trust yeah. your gut. Constantly skeptical. Always. All right. <laughs> it's kind of a bummer season, but it's very interesting. <laughs> it's super interesting, and and it it definitely is is giving me a lot of perspective on how the world is being shaped by the people that are actually out there doing the research yeah. and like trying to make things better for people. Um, it also makes me feel very validated in never answering my fucking phone yeah, <laughs> because I don't. Um, but yeah, you know, be safe out there. Yeah, and so, report report calls if you want to. Yeah, report calls. It, it definitely helps, even if you don't think it do. And the cool thing is, you might make some money off of it, which is yeah. which is always fun. I like money. Money's cool. Yeah. Um, but if you've ever, you know, experienced a fun spoofing or robocall fun thing, I personally like to talk to the scammers. I and do, like, too. get there, you know, if, I, if I've answered the phone thinking that it's important because, like, I know I have a call coming in, That's but I don't know worst. what number it's going to come through, yeah. and then it's a scammer, like, I will lead the person on. So if you ever have any fun stories about that, definitely hit us up, uh, yeah. bitesizepodcast.com. We've got all of our contacts and uh, information, social media, all of that there. Um, also thank you, big shout out to our Patreon subscribers. That's going to be Michael I, Justin J, Daniel J, and Beert for making all of that possible. And of course, thank you to so-and-so for our theme music. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon subscriber, you can also find that information on bitesizepodcast.com as well. Yeah, we have a website. It's cool. Yeah. We're kind of cool, I guess. Hey. Y'all seem to like us, so thank you for hanging out. Yeah, we appreciate it. It's cool to, like, learn about this stuff and have people also want to learn about this stuff. And it's a lot easier for us to listen to hours of podcasts and do all of this research and then give you kind of the what for and the just just what you need to know. Yeah, we'll That's why do it's the boring size. part for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can just listen to us while you do laundry or the dishes. Yeah. Or... Find out how to spoof your own calls. Get out there and freak them. Don't do that. Don't commit <laughs> crimes. I'm not telling anyone to commit crimes. <laughs> but if you have experience. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right in. Tell us your stories. Your stories. We won't out you. No. We'll keep it anonymous. It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, this shit's nuts, dude. People are smart. People are also very dumb. Yeah. Don't fall for it. You won't, you don't have a vacation waiting for you, unfortunately. Yeah. Just sadness. They don't really want to send <laughs> you <card> a <laughs> fancy necklace. <laughs> no, no. Or a magazine subscription. <laughs> no. <sighs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for listening. Yeah, thanks. 
Okay, bye. Okay, bye.